0: Welcome back to The Megawatt Hour, a podcast podcast series brought to you by Energy Voice in paid partnership with BDO. In this series, we'll be examining how energy storage technologies are reshaping, reinforcing and recharging energy markets in the UK and further afield. We've looked broadly at the technologies available for storing energy and some of the market and policy dynamics that have guided their deployment. This episode, we'll be focusing on the key players who help manage the supply and demand of electricity, so these assets and the wider market function as intended. We've termed them aggregators and optimizers, and we'll learn more about them shortly. I'm Andrew Dykes, content editor at Energy Voice, where we are leading the global energy conversation. I'm joined this time by my BDO co-host, senior audit manager, Caroline Ingham. Caroline works across the natural resources, energy and shipping sectors with a particular focus on power and renewables and helps audit a range of clients within that sector. We're also pleased to welcome Andrew Langlands, head of commercial at Flexitricity. Based in Edinburgh, The company provides a route to market service for electricity generation, storage, and flexible load, helping to balance supply and demand on the national grid. As part of his role, Andrew works with clients to oversee and help maximize the commercial value from their electrical flexibility. We have two Andrews and two Carolines in our virtual studio today, so that might get a little tricky, but we'll press on nonetheless. I think the best place to to start this discussion is probably a question we perhaps haven't answered directly so far, which is, how does a battery or a storage asset owner decide how and when to charge and discharge the asset? So I wondered, Caroline, could you maybe help answer that question and, and maybe tell us how that relates to the role of aggregators and optimizers?
1: Yeah, sure. So when you've got a battery storage project, you want to obviously make sure you can get an access to the marketplace. Um, and. To do that, we commonly see that aggregators play a key role in making sure that this can happen, particularly for uh, battery storage assets, uh, where they're bringing together a range of different generators. And so the aggregators are there to try and help support um, and guide the generators uh, to get the best part in sort of flexible services or whether or not they're going to actually um, merchant the asset um, uh, on the markets. Um I'm probably best to hand over to Andrew Langlands. What role aggregators play um, in supporting generators um, with getting a route to market?
0: So is it fair to say there's kind of this middleman bundling together of... of energy to make sure that everyone at either end of the chain has what they need. Is that, is that fair to, to say, Andrew?
2: Kind of. Um, so yeah, our, our role uh, at Flex Electricity, we're, we're a route to market provider. So so our role is to monetize the electrical flexibility that these assets can provide. Um, so we, we work with a, a whole range of, of different flexible energy assets from batteries to uh, gas peaking assets, but also things like CHP uh, and industrial and commercial sites. Um, but yes, specifically speaking about batteries, our our role is is to, to maximize the, the revenue potential for these assets, and, and we do that by providing um, holistic market access across a, a variety of different services, uh, wholesale markets, balancing mechanism, and obviously the, the one that's been, been grabbing a lot of the headlines in, in the last couple of years is uh frequency response, particularly dynamic containment. Um so yeah, we're 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 here as a, as a route to market provider for these asset owners and uh Electricity as an optimizer. We are we are an energy supplier, so so we would literally become the, the energy supplier to that. Site buy and sell all the power that, that flows through the meters there, or deliver uh, services such as uh, dynamic containment.
0: To take a step back, I suppose uh, the company itself. You're kind of one of the first in the UK to, to provide these kind of services. Isn't it? Could you give us an idea of, of the history of of the company? You're about ten years in now. Uh,
2: absolutely, yeah. Um, we we were founded in t- in 2004. Oh, I'm way off. So yeah. Um, <laughs> well, actually, we we our first commercial operation was was 2008. Um, we we. Uh, we were the first to provide aggregated short-term operating reserve in in, in 2008. Store is a is a, is a reserve service, um, so slightly different from the balancing mechanism, which is used. By National Grid to help balance supply and demand on the system, uh, short-term operating reserve is a is a reserve service that they procure um, for any kind of unexpected shortfalls, you know, interconnector trips or or something along those lines, and, and they need additional capacity to, to to step in. Yeah, first to deliver aggregated frequency response in 2012, we had a a contract with National Grid for a, a service called frequency control by demand management. This was a a static frequency response service that if if, if frequency hit. Uh, forty-nine point seven hertz. Um, assets were expected to to step in and, and, and deliver a a, a thirty-minute response to that to that frequency trip.
0: Is, is that kind of a, like a danger threshold on the grid? Then is that a useful number to bear in mind?
2: National Grid are obliged to keep frequency between uh fifty point five and forty-nine point five hertz, and the the different frequency response services they procure help manage frequency. At, at different bandings um so dynamic containment for example kind of deals with more of the extremes so um when frequency goes below 49.8 or above 50, 50.2 uh, so you actually get very little cyclic uh cycle side of the battery when when you're delivering a service like dynamic containment whereas dynamic regulation which is one of the the services that grid launched uh, earlier this year as part of the new suite of dynamic services dynamic Containment, dynamic moderation, and, and dynamic regulation—that works a lot tighter into the, uh, the the 50 hertz band. So, so you will utilize a lot more cycles of the batteries by by delivering a service like DR um, purely because frequency is is more often or not around that that 50 hertz mark. And then the likes of DC step in when when frequency goes a, a bit further outside of those bands but yeah in, in terms of a, a fcdm that was that was a service that grid uh brought to an end in, in in 2019 and in terms of what did we aggregate for that service it was mainly load drop at manufacturing sites diesel rotary ups at, at data centers uh and actually we we, we contracted our, our first batteries to deliver that service in in, in 20 2018 so yeah that's a, a kind of brief brief summary of the, the kind of different different roles of frequency response but we you know i'm sure we'll go into a bit more into detail on you know the new suite of, of dynamic services and exactly why they've been brought in and and, and uh, what they're here to provide grid with
0: yeah so obviously for today and, and for our purposes we're going to talk a lot about storage but it's worth saying that as you mentioned you you work with a range of different ways in which power can be kind of uh balanced or, or moved around a little bit um could you maybe talk to us about how your your business model works and how you would kind of work with with a customer or, or onboard them into this process
2: yeah absolutely um uh, and I would, I would kind of put our customer base into to, to two separate camps almost. Um, there is what we call front of the meter assets. Uh, so these are your grid scale storage and, and gas peaking plant. They're there purely to deliver a kind of a merchant service. So with, with gas peaking plant, you know, we're, we're trading them in wholesale markets and, and they're active in the balancing mechanism. And for grid scale storage, we're, we're optimizing them across, you know, frequency response, wholesale markets, balancing mechanism, and a variety of other, other services as, as, as well. The other set of customers that we, we work with are, are, are behind the meter. Sites and and these are you know industrial and commercial. Uh, customers who, you know, historically have provided demand-side response services. So load flexibility, gas CHP, uh, historically diesel generators, but, you know, with uh, emissions regulations, um, diesel generators, and, unless they're abated, are, are, are no longer able to, to participate in, in these services. So in, in terms of the, the process with, with customers, um, I, I suppose that the first step is, is really kind of understanding the asset, understanding uh, what flexibility it can deliver. Uh, and then one, once you've got a good grasp of that, you know we can we can determine what what flexibility services it can deliver. We uh, have um, an outstation that we ship to sites and that allows our our virtual power plant from our, our control room in Edinburgh to, to communicate with the sites and essentially dispatch the site for services with national grids uh, and then each uh, energy partner that we work with has um, an account manager um, at flexitricity and and that account manager's role is is to speak to those energy partners about you know market regulation new services that are coming performance of the assets you know whole range of different things that the asset owners would be uh, would be wanting to know about about what their asset is doing and and, and when and
0: I suppose to, to maybe flip this around, What would the kind of alternative be if you were not to provide that service? I'm thinking about I, you know I've I've set up my storage asset. I want to kind of sell power on the market. If I if I didn't have these services, that's imaginably
2: a little bit more difficult. Uh, yeah, uh, I mean, you would need to have an energy supplier, <laughs> uh, <laughs> sure. For, from, you know, uh, firstly, um, which which would you know buy and sell power for, for for the asset. But obviously, in in terms of you know to, to tie back to that kind of original question that you opened with, when do you choose to, to charge and, and discharge an asset? You know that that is our our role as as an optimizer. where we're looking at the optimal times a day to charge and and, and discharge the asset or or have it delivering frequency response. So yeah, if 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 organisations like us uh, didn't exist, it would be a lot harder to maximise revenue opportunity. Then again, there are, you know some of the the larger organisations may well have the capabilities that, that we can provide in in house. And
0: Caroline, is it is it fair to say that you know businesses like Flexigrid have kind of evolved alongside the the UK market as it's it's gotten smarter and also kind of more uh, penetration of renewables has has come onto the grid?
1: Yeah, I think it's a fair um, assessment. Uh, we've. We've definitely seen working with our clients, you know, new new entrants to the market um, uh, in recent years, or maybe maybe they, they were always always there, but um, definitely more in the forefront now. And and it's it's really key for our, a lot of our clients in terms of making sure that they've they've got, I suppose, an aggregator partner who is able to to be flexible no pun intended, Um, but to to sort of be flexible and and to be thinking ahead um, and and quite quick in how they move because the evolution of the market has, has moved quite quickly, I would have I think um, I don't know what your view on that, Andrew, is over the last couple of years. How the uh, the UK market has changed?
2: Yeah. So to, to to go back to you know what I was talking about, FCDM and the new dynamic suite of services. Uh, so FCDM was was retired in, in in 2019. National Grid went through a process which I, th- I think began in 2017 called the the, the system needs and, and product strategy review, which was essentially looking at the requirements of a grid that was transitioning from uh, large fossil plant uh, to, uh, you know, more intermittent renewable generation. Um, uh, One of the the big challenges of that was large fossil plant provides inertia, uh, which kind of helps keep frequency relatively stable, uh, whereas renewable energy does not provide inertia. So, what what you've been seeing happening with with frequency over the you know the the, the past few years is that the rate of change of frequency uh, or or rock off which is uh, one of the the many acronyms that we we like to use in our our industry
0: that's a, that's a good one uh,
2: yeah R-O-C-O-F, rock off um so rate of change of frequency is 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 increasing uh which means you need assets that are capable of delivering a, a much faster response to to frequency deviations and that's what the the new suite of uh dynamic services are, are, are here to deliver whereas fcdm was a static ser- service sub two second delivery 30 minute response and yes national grid did procure dynamic services uh, then, then as well the new suite of frequency services are are, are are sub second response and you know batteries are you know an, an ideal asset to to deliver these services so yeah because of that change in the system transitioning away from large fossil plants to, to more renewable energy rate of change of frequency getting getting faster uh, so the, the suite of services the grid are having to procure are faster and, and, and battery storage assets are, are primed to be able to, to take advantage of that. We've
0: mentioned dynamic containment and uh, a bit of demand side response. Are there any other kind of uh, markets or, or services that you provide that kind of add, add to those revenue streams for flex electricity?
2: Yes, um, we provide a, a whole different range of of, of, of services with our with assets. In fact, I think we delivered 15 different services with uh, battery storage assets since we went live with our, our first batteries in, in, in 2018. And I'll, I'll pick up on the, the main ones. Wholesale markets is... Uh, obviously one of those main markets we, we we look to, which is all about trading, buying power cheaply overnight and, and, and discharging over evening peaks and so on. Uh, but in terms of the the kind of decision-making process of, you know, what markets we should we be delivering and when it all starts at the kind of month ahead stage for batteries, National Grid procures a uh, firm frequency response month ahead. So we we have to submit our tenders for, uh, so just at the beginning of October, we were submitting our, our FFR tenders for, for November. So we look at, you know, what is the opportunity cost in, in November for for wholesale markets, uh, what's the opportunity cost for the, the the day ahead frequency services, which are dynamic containment, dynamic moderation, dynamic regulation? We'll find out mid month whether or not we've secured FFR coverage in in, in any EFA blocks for, for for November. You know, we, we might have assets that are delivering twenty four seven FFR. Uh, we might have assets that are, are are haven't secured any FFR coverage, and then it becomes daily decision making, and, and there's different kind of decision points through the day uh, to determine you know, which which services your assets should be delivering. So the, the first one is is in, in the you know in the morning you've got nine thirty EPEX hourly auction, 10 a.m. N2X hourly auction. So, you know, what, what spreads are available to to secure in wholesale markets. You move into the afternoon, the kind the, of the spreads that you can determine from, from wholesale markets will drive your tender strategy for dynamic containment, dynamic moderation, dynamic regulation. And at all times considering uh you know the, the cost of a cycle uh, effectively so uh you know a wholesale market fuel charge and discharge is, is one cycle dynamic containment 0.2 0.3 cycles a day dynamic regulation Two point nine cycles a day, uh, so you need to consider cost of charge and and uh, cost of a cycle in in, in your decision making. And then after the the dynamic suite of services tenders in the afternoon, you've then got the half hourly wholesale market in 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 the afternoon where you can you know uh, further hedge out positions in wholesale markets. So if you've secured dynamic containment or something, you know look to, to, to buy back out of positions that you've opened up in the morning, uh, and then you're into in day optimization where you know flexibility. We 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 trade on the uh, the. M- seven continuous uh, exchange in, in day uh, national goods balancing mechanism uh, and also um, importantly dc dmdr you can you can stack uh, wholesale market trading and, and the balancing mechanism with with those services um and it's a, it's a good way of of managing state of charge when you're when you're delivering in those services so if, if state of charge gets too low you know you can you can top up your battery while you're delivering that service so th- those are the kind of main services that we would you know talk as a, as kind of optimization um there's also the, the capacity market which uh you know all all battery storage um, assets should be should be participating in the capacity market Um, This is, if if you're a new build site, uh, you can secure 15 year capacity market agreements, uh, which kind of helps underpins, you know, uh, pins in some revenue for 15 years. So yeah, we we, we provide a kind of full end to end capacity market process as well from kind of pre-qualification through to kind of delivery of requirements in, in, in the delivery year as well. So lots of different revenue streams. Yeah, so without pulling
0: too many threads at once, I mean, (laughs) you're you're working with loads of different assets and loads of different owners who presumably have their own kind of individual strategies or how they want to go about making the revenue or how they're capable of of making that revenue depending on the asset type. You know, how how on earth do you balance all those competing needs with the services that you've you've just mentioned there? If there is indeed a a simple answer. Uh,
2: I I mean, it's... Uh, part of the onboarding process is is you know figuring that out with the asset owner. Uh You know if you if, if you if you bought a new battery or if you'll have a warranty, it'll have you know cycle limits that you you, you don't want to be breaching. Um, so it's all about kind of setting setting parameters at, at the outset that that you can trade within. Um Although we we you know we always like to discuss is, is is there flexibility in those parameters? So so quite a lot of storage assets that we see. I've I've got cycle limits of of, of two cycles per day. Um, I mentioned previously that, that DC you're doing kind of 0.2, 0.3 cycles a day. So if if you were in dynamic containment for for five days in a row, um and you've been doing 0.2, 0.3 cycles, and a, an opportunity presented itself in, in wholesale markets to do three cycles a day, you know, is is that breaching your 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 two-cycle limit, or because you've been doing hardly any cycles over the past five days, is you know, is that something you would you would be comfortable doing? So it's all about ironing out those details when, when we're onboarding uh, assets and the account management team have uh, you know regular catch-ups with with all of our asset owners and constantly reviewing parameters and performance so it's it's kind of an open dialogue with asset owners in terms of you know what, what limitations do we have wouldn't even call them limitations but um, what parameters should we should we operate uh, within i think that's a great place to take a quick break and we'll be right back after this
3: To uncover the full story behind the numbers, you need analytics, but more than that you want people who will harness their experience, intelligence and insight to interpret the raw data. BDO's UK Renewables practice works with investors and developers across a wide range of renewable technologies, and from large corporates and funds to small community energy projects. The passion of our people and the breadth of our expertise enables us to understand the challenges faced by our renewables clients. We are partner-led, pragmatic and flexible in our approach, which is essential in such a dynamic and evolving sector. Our model audit team is ranked number one by both transaction volume and value on IJ Global, and we are proud of our track record in supporting many of the UK's listed renewables infrastructure funds, both with their fundraisings and their increasingly global M&A activity. Find out how we can help your company to succeed at bdo.co.uk and realise your business potential. BDO, more than a numbers machine.
0: So you mentioned there kind of the forward markets, Andrew, could you maybe give us an idea of how you look at forecasting and, and, and what these are going to do and how you then inform a strategy that's, you know, maybe months? years ahead
2: absolutely forwards markets are very difficult to predict at the moment <laughs> um <laughs> we, we do have models that, that the run and, and and look out you know over, over kind of longer term horizons but the the volatility that we've seen in in the market recently is un, is unprecedented um and as you know we're seeing 200 pence a therm swings in in gas price in 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 day which means whenever you you know depending on when you run the models you could get quite Different outcomes, so that is challenging the, the the longer term forecasts for FFR, which is is month ahead. It's it's you know much easier to, to try and predict what's happening in in the short term. Um, so for for month ahead FFR, you know, without wishing to show under the bonnet too much, uh, we we look at what products are, are trading in the wholesale market for the month of November. So base load, peak products, and and, and run a, a scalar model to kind of determine what what wholesale prices are, are, are likely to, to look like in the month. National Grid also publish um a market information report which shows the capacity that they're looking to procure and in, in ffr but also in dc dm and dr um so it's kind of a combination of those two uh, plus assessment of you know where where everyone else has been pricing uh, ffr and in in, in in recent months is is kind of how we assess opportunity costs for the month but also um, whether or not we're going to be competitive in the stack or, or whether we want to be competitive in the stack. Um, so you know, we're you know looking at EFA's five and six in, in particular for for, for November, uh, it could be quite a, to, quite a volatile month, um, there co- could be quite a lot of wholesale trading opportunity. So do you want to lock yourself out of that opportunity by by taking a contract in, in FFR? Um, so yes, yeah, it's, it's really about kind of quantifying that opportunity cost and and, and the way we do it is, is use scalar models on products that are actually trading in the wholesale market at, at any given time.
1: And and Andrew, just um, in terms of, so I think in recent years, we've seen obviously um, dynamic containment come in. Um, How closely do you work with sort of national grid around sort of potential changes to policy or frequency response services or or change to sort of, um, I'm trying to think of the right word, but changes to possible products, which these assets can sort of work in. Um, is, Is that something that you get a lot of, View on or is it something that, um, here you go, you've got six months.
2: Uh, yeah we're we're, we're absolutely in, engaged in that process so um Alison martin who uh founded Flexergy all, all those years ago uh he's our he's our chief strategy officer we also employ a, a dedicated head of regulation uh they're they're heavily involved in uh engagement with uh you know not just national grids but bays offgem um you know the association of decentralized energy uh electricity um, storage network um, so we're kind of engaged with um you know a variety Variety of different parties, both from a, an industry and, and regulatory perspective, to influence or, or, or be part of the conversation and in, in kind of code modifications and, and new service launch. So, you know, looking at, at this winter in particular, National Grid is is launching a, a winter demand flexibility service. We we took part in the, the the working groups and and the consultation response on on that service. So, yeah, we're we're absolutely in, engaged in that process, and you know, part of uh, our our role with with asset owners is 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 to get a feel for for, for what asset owners. Are are, are are looking for as well and 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 use that to kind of help push the market forward um, so yeah absolutely engage in that process
1: so you've obviously mentioned the latest um uh, winter report and, and and sort of forecasting demand and and challenges within that market are there concerns about sort of the the current market environment particularly with the government support that's coming in place for for retailers etc is that is that something that impacts you or is that something that you're sort of sort of fairly protected from.
2: Yes, it, it does impact us in in places. We are an energy supplier. We, we do supply um, some industrial and commercial sites and, and we're currently looking into the details of, of how the price cap is, is, is going to be implemented. And clearly one of the, you know, one of the things that's, that's come out in this, this winter outlook that the National Grid published about 45 minutes before we started recording was, uh, you know, the, the potential for gas shortages this winter, uh, which cr- clearly could create Quite a bit of volatility in in, in the market, so their kind of um, worst case scenario. You know, they're, they've modeled you know what's going to happen if 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 ten gigawatts of of, of CCGT come off the system, um, and are we going to have to start kind of managing load reduction, which means you know uh, in, enforced power cuts, which. Uh, clearly, could create quite a bit of, of volatility in the market. So, so yes, there's there's lots going on at the moment. I think it is going to be a, a volatile winter, and I, I think management of risk is, is is certainly going to be something that that is uh, is, is is going to be crucial because we we could see some quite spiky system imbalance prices that you you don't want to be on the wrong end of.
0: On the policy front, then that's kind of the immediate volatility of you know the next sort of three to six months. We've also been talking briefly on the podcast before about the, the REMA consultation and kind of wider uh, changes within the UK market. Are there kind of areas specifically that FlexJustie are, are looking to um, make the most of in those changes or, or that change you know, kind of your, your business model at all and, and how, how might they affect you?
2: So yeah we're, we're we're heavily involved in in uh the kind of REMA consultation we we are submitting a um or we may have already submitted a consultation response to REMA. uh and we actually we hosted a, a Rima event at the, the House of Lords in in the summer with some of our kind of investor customers there uh, as well as a, a, a few politicians so we are we are absolutely engaged in in the Rima process one of the areas of Rima that I think is causing most concern out of some of our our asset owners is uh, locational marginal pricing, uh, which is uh, you know at, at the moment the wholesale market trades GB wide, uh, and this is looking at kind of locational signals in, in in the wholesale market. So you you might get a different price in the wholesale market on the outskirts of Edinburgh than, than you do uh, you know in the the, the southwest of, of Cornwall. We, we we certainly agree with the the problem statement with regards to locational marginal pricing um that you know there's there's very high um constraint costs to to, to national grids uh however i think full locational marginal pricing could be quite disruptive to to investment i think it will also be very complex to implement so you know we are we are coming at it from, from an angle of perhaps reform to the balancing mechanism or to the transmission constraint license condition um as opposed to you know full lmp which um I, th- I think there's others in the market are are more in favor of
0: yeah i mean I, I see the logic in terms of encouraging uh storage and other assets to to go to the right places uh and to i suppose be set up in areas where they can respond to those kinds of demands, but there's a little bit moving the goal if you. You've already have these these assets on on your books, and <laughs> you know they they're suddenly now exposed to markets that they were never necessarily uh, thinking about. Is is that right?
2: Yeah, and and I think that's where a, a lot of the concern is, is 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 coming from, as as well as you know deployment of capital into into new assets. You know, we'll be involved in the process. We'll continue to listen to, to feedback from our, our energy partners on this one and and um, participate in the working groups and, and kind of see where it all goes. But um, yeah, Rima is a is a bit of a, a a behemoth of a of a scope. Um, it's it's not just lmp that's that's coming through in that so yeah it'll be very interesting to see how that one all unfolds
0: that's probably a, a great place to, to look more than the future of the industry as a whole and in kind of aggregation and and energy storage and how they interrelate you know what is the future of these these providers together are we, are we going to see a lot more services being taken in-house or you know andrew do you see more um providers such as Flex springing up
2: uh, yeah, yeah I mean I, I could certainly see more more changes happening happening in the industry in, in terms of new entrants could be challenging coming into this one afresh there's you know there's the sales we've, you know we've got a number of competitors that, that, that provide the same services as we do and and to kind of get get to that level of of uh, asset optimization um, from a kind of a, a standing start could be a challenge but I, I could also see you know some some asset owners looking looking to take optimization in in house you know we, we, we were acquired by Quinbrook Infrastructure Partners a few years ago so yeah could see some some further consolidation in, in, in the industry
0: so we, yeah we mentioned um services being being taken more in in-house by the kind of asset owners and developers that kind of feels like something we've seen a lot with the wind and solar markets is that right Caroline
1: yeah we have um so I think historically um we've seen from an operating maintenance agreements we've seen wind and solar uh, we've seen uh, sort of developers and asset owners starting to think to take take this in-house so um, i suppose looking towards the future is there a risk that something similar could happen um from um sort of an aggregator perspective is there a potential for uh, clients to think actually hang on a minute i could save myself a few uh, a few pennies here um and do this myself is 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 that you know where,
2: is there a risk there from for for your business Andrew? we do see asset owners asking for for clauses in, in contracts that are you know if kind of right to terminate if uh, you know if, if you're acquired by a, a competing business of ours as, as it were so i, I think it is a, a concern for some investors because you know we're, we're we've seen them asking for for these clauses in our, our contracts and you know it is is something you could start to see happening if if somebody gets to you know portfolio sizes of of one two gigawatts and, and they're paying a a margin to, to an external third party when you know they could they could potentially procure them and 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 take that in-house yes yeah it's certainly something i could i could i could see happening
1: there's a lot of focus for a lot of our clients at the moment around sort of tech, particularly in the tech and media sector around sort of cyber security. and and obviously the business is quite heavily uh remote so i suppose in terms of looking at those sorts of challenges from your business how are you sort of addressing those or what sort of challenges are you seeing from a sort of cybersecurity risk
2: yeah absolutely it's it's a it's a crucial concern um, and you know when we're we're, we're submitting tender responses to um, uh, you know asset owners that have got pipeline of assets that are being built in 23 24 25 um, cybersecurity is is something that they are they are asking about in 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 their tender response Flexistry is uh, is a kind of founding member of of the Association of Decentralised Energies uh, flex assure scheme, which has been set up to kind of put up you know industry best practice as as it were, and there there are um aspects of of that that tie into cybersecurity and and data protection protocols, and incidentally Flexistry passed the, the first ever Flexosure audit in in, in October of, of last year. So yeah it, it is a concern for asset owners. We are seeing that question asked a lot in 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 tenders, and you know we we we've got pretty good um, cybersecurity processes in place and things like um, business continuity process and dis- disaster recovery processes and uh, and all that kind of stuff. And, and we're, we're happy to kind of, you know, if we're, if we're under NDA with someone, we're kind of happy to share all of the, 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 the different processes that we have in place to uh, manage that challenge. Do, do those kinds of risks
0: um, come into the kinds of audits that you, you do with your clients, Caroline? Cybersecurity, as you mentioned as a, as a growing concern
1: yeah no absolutely i think it's um it's a real concern for businesses not just even you know it's it's for for all businesses really because uh you know gdpr and um privacy regulation is is so key and and uh, you know you can see businesses just in the newspapers whenever there is a if whenever there is a breach you can see that they're under quite a lot of scrutiny from not just investors but the general public and and people who who transact with them so it's it's a really it's quite a key we're seeing it more and more as a key risk um that boards um and investors are, are focusing on so yes something like this um we'd expect to be quite a a key focus for them yes
2: i imagine that you work with a lot of investors that are kind of esg focused and this squarely falls into the the the, the g of of governance
1: yeah no absolutely absolutely so um yeah the esg agenda um is only getting more and more challenging so um <laughs> definitely one on uh one on the the big g's
0: so maybe one thing to kind of Think about as as we draw to a close. You know, you've mentioned uh, Rima. You've mentioned kind of the the response from investors at the moment. Obviously, we are planning on having even more variable renewable generation on the grid. We're have, planning on having more batteries and and various kinds of storage. Are the right signals in place to make sure that these all come together? You know, is is the role of aggregators like yourself? Correctly incentivized and understood in the in the market.
2: Yeah, there was there was there was a, there was a Bayes report published. Uh, I, can't, I can't remember when it was, it was last summer or, or or the year before that 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 talked about. Uh, the kind of requirement for, for for flexibility in the grids, you know, clearly with with more renewable generation coming online, there's going to be more intermittency. You need more flexibility, um, and uh, you know we we are working on a, a number of different code modifications at the moment uh, that will allow us to onboard different types of flexibility. Um, so um P375 was actually a, a code modification that was that was sponsored by Flexitricity uh that allows assets to be settled behind the meter so kind of as separate meters uh on on flexible assets at industrial and commercial sites for example um and ultimately there's there's another code modification going through P415 uh which is probably 18 24 months away from from coming to fruition that would allow us to to trade the flexibility of those assets behind the meter in in wholesale markets. So there there, there are things coming there there are you know code modifications coming through that I, that I think will help develop this 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 industry further uh, and in terms of you know what assets could could that unlock uh you know we're we're looking at heat pumps, electric vehicles, domestic batteries, uh, small-scale industrial and commercial flexibility um and and in enrolling that type of flexibility into demand-side response, um, I, th- I think is, is absolutely something that, that needs to be encouraged. And yeah, we're, we, we are all for it.
0: I think that's a, a great place to, to draw discussions to a close. Um, so that brings us to the end of this installment of the Megawatt Hour. Thank you once again to my co-host Caroline Ingham and to Andrew Langlands for joining us and to Caroline, our producer. Thanks also to you for listening. You can let us know your thoughts through our social media channels or by emailing loud at energyvoice.com. Every week, the Energy Voice team get together to highlight important stories from the world of energy in our regular podcast episodes. If you've not already, please do subscribe free to Energy Voice Out Loud on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And listen for more episodes of the Megawatt Hour coming your way very soon. I've been Andrew Dykes, and thanks again for listening.
3: Out Loud is the podcast from Energy Voice, leading the global energy conversation. Bookmark and subscribe to energyvoice.com, sign up to our newsletter and follow us on LinkedIn and Twitter for expert analysis and insight right across the energy sector. Subscribe to Out Loud on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts and please do encourage colleagues and friends to listen to Out Loud too. If you've enjoyed it, leaving a rating or review, especially on Apple Podcasts, helps others discover it too. Thank you.